Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. And today's very special guest, a man who's paid in full, the great humanitarian, the diamond, Dustin Poirier. Friend of the show, Dustin Poirier. My man. How you doing, champ? Good, good. I appreciate that inter inter uh, introduction. <laughs> hey, Dustin. What's up, Teddy? Congratulations, Dustin. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. We're very, we couldn't be happier for you. And um, I know a lot of people are happy for you because they're happy to see a good person uh, make it and a good person do special things. And uh, it's, it's nice. It, it just makes it even better when it's a good person, a person that cares about the proper things in life and gives back and uh, has gone, as Ken said, and he said it the right way, uh, has earned uh, every scrap of territory that you've uh, conquered, uh, everything that you've accomplished, you've earned it the old-fashioned way. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. It means a lot to me. Yeah, man. It was so, it's so great to see, like Teddy said, good things happening to good people. And, uh, you know, in the course of doing this show, we have a lot of got fighters that we, that we both really like and Rob as well. You know, we have guys that we support, but I'll tell you when you were fighting, man, my wife, my kids, we were all going crazy when you dropped, when you stopped him, man. Oh man. It was like, uh, <laughs> it was like one of us had won. It was so great. Like Teddy always says, it was like, our guy did it. So congratulations, <laughs> feels, man. Thank you, man. It feels good. And I, I definitely take pride in that, you know, giving people a reason to cheer and, and throw their hands in the air. You know, I don't take that stuff lightly. You know, one, one for the good guys. We got one. Definitely. Congrats, man. Hey, guys, want to take a quick pause here to give a thank you to today's sponsors. We're very excited to have Amp Human working with us. Full disclosure, I am uh, an investor in the company. I've been working with them for the last few months. Amp Human is a human performance company dedicated to helping people unlock their potential. Their latest innovation, D Plus Lotion, is a first-of-its-kind gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through the skin. With limited sunlight during the winter and more times indoors, there's, even, there's never been a more important time to supplement with vitamin D. Just two pumps applied to the inner forearms contains 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. This is by far the easiest and best way to get vitamin D that you need to boost your immune system and better your overall health. Again, even with being outside running all the time, I'm still deficient in vitamin D and I'm spending two to three hours every day outside, which probably pales in comparison to a lot of people that spend their lives outdoors working. But nevertheless, sunlight alone isn't, it, isn't the complete source of vitamin D. Almost everyone that's active needs to supplement with vitamin D. So give these guys a, a chance here, uh, Amp Human. Check them out at amphuman.com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S. Use the promo code atlas to get 15% off your D-plus lotion today. Again, that's amphuman.com slash atlas and use promo code atlas to get 15% off D-plus lotion today. Today's program is also brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. I love this stuff. I say it all the time, but I travel with it. I take it every single day, no matter what. I just went through a four-day move from LA to Nashville, and the one thing that I made sure to do for myself was to take my Athletic Greens. I was stressed, run down, lack of sleep, 
but I was getting that athletic greens and making sure I was taking care of myself because without your health, you're useless to everyone around you, including yourself. So these guys at uh, Athletic Greens, they've spent the past 10 years working with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It has vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. This is like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Don't, don't get caught slipping on your health. This is literally all you need to stay on top of your immunity. With 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, no need for multivitamins or whatever else you take, and this has you covered. Athletic Greens has given our listeners 10 free travel packs with their first purchase. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or just address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas to claim the offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm going to piggyback off of what Ken just said, Dustin, where he described the jubilation in his home uh, with his family being, you know, being part of the rooting section. And it was, it was the opposite in my house at the beginning. <laughs> Ken described, Ken shot forward to the good part. For the second round, you know, he 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 went right to the good part, which is great. And his family was so happy. My wife was was like, oh, my goodness. In the first round. Oh, my. uh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. And I told her, listen, it's great. She said, what do you mean? It's great. I don't think he won that round. I said, no, he didn't win the round. But it's great because in my mind, you did what you had to do. You extended the fight. You got close to him. You sent a message to him. You put your hands on him. You told him basically without having to open your mouth, this is a different time. This is a different man. This is a different fighter. This is a different situation. And I told my wife, you know, it's kind of hard to, to learn uh, to learn all the things that you want to teach to your wife in, uh, in, the minute of, in a couple minutes of, uh, of emotional moments. And, and chaos that's going on inside an octagon. But she, she said, you sure it's okay? I said, yeah, it's okay. See, for me, the most important thing was to extend the fight, to, to give yourself something. I'm not even going to use the words to survive. It wasn't about that. To me, it was about giving yourself something to stand on, to build on right. from that point on. And that's really the way I saw it going into the fight. I saw it in the first. And again, a lot of people, I was tweeting a little bit because I do that now. I'm like a half a scientist now. I can actually tweet. This barbarian can actually tweet. And people were like, oh, my goodness, that wasn't a good round. And I was like, no, no, I think it was great. I think I think it was I think it was the ladder to where he had to go. I think it was the bridge to where he needed to go. I, I think that he had to kill time to a certain extent, uh, take away the greatest striker in the world, maybe the greatest striker of all time, one of the greatest strikers, uh, keep him from being in his element on the outside as much as you could. In other words, kind of like a football team that wants to keep a great offense on a sideline as much as they can as part of the plan. I just thought it was a brilliant plan. Uh, 
just take it from there. I, I really did. I thought all, every bit of it was brilliant, even the first round where people, obviously you didn't win that round, but I thought you won the round in my mind for where you needed it to go. Is that fair? For sure. And, and exactly what you're saying, the plan was to let the fight blossom, if you will. I needed the fight to, to unfold and I needed it to, to, to happen. Um, hey, you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet. Maybe we dropped the first round, but we were, we were still cooking. We were still in the kitchen. And uh, when I got on that stool after the first round, I, I felt like I was on track. I didn't feel like I just lost a round. Even if the judges might have not had me winning that round, I sat on the stool feeling like I was going to pull ahead every minute from there on. Yeah, you felt like you were doing – you felt the way I felt, to be quite frank, that you were on track. You used the word yourself, that you were doing what you needed to do, that everything was going according to plan. Uh, and, and I felt there were mental things in there. You know, I, I listen in my business, Dustin, we've talked about this 75% of it mental in your business. It's at least 80, at least for me, it's, it's at least 80%, uh, if not sometimes more, depending on the individual. But uh, for me, you were sending a message to him when you put your hands on him. A lot of people, they don't understand that thing. What do you mean, Ted? Just when you, when you got in close and you put your hands and you put them on the floor and you got up against the fence. Just by putting your hands on them, you did something you didn't do the first time. You were basically sending them a message. Hey, I'm going to put my hands on you a lot tonight. And um, <laughs> I, I just, I thought it was brilliant. Obviously, your leg kicking, we can't leave that out. That was brilliant. Uh, I, when did you and your coach come up with that part of the plan? Because if you're fighting the greatest striker of all time, or as I said, one of the greatest strikers, it's kind of hard to strike if you have no legs. <laughs> so when did you come up with that? Because that was brilliant. It came together during training camp. We started uh, exploring it and working it in sparring rounds. And then in drill sessions, we would just rep, rep it, man. We would do it thousands of times, low kicks from different angles, um, countering low kicks off of him being too heavy on his cross and being off balance. We knew that taking away one of his wheels on a guy like Connor, who, who uses that in and out movement to, to disrupt your timing and to, to counterpunch. He's one of the best counterpunchers that mixed martial arts has ever seen. Um, we knew that would, that would compromise those movements that he likes to do, those in and out movements. I know. And, and fighting's a crazy thing because, you, you know, you never want to be jumping in and out. But Connor does kind of touch the lead hand, pull out, come back in, pull out. You know, in boxing, they say you 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 jump in, you get carried out. But th this is a different thing here. And, and with those small gloves, one miss and you you jump back in with that counter two. He's done it time and time again and stop guys. He has one of the best in the game, pull twos. And we knew damaging his legs as the fight went on. I didn't know it was going to happen that early in the fight, but we knew over 25 minutes if I just kept chipping away and making deposits, that it would pay off. Listen, you just touched on it. Conor McGregor is one of the greatest strikers and maybe the greatest counterpuncher, as you just amplified um, or, or verified, of maybe of all time. And so for me, from the X's and O's version of it, uh, the technical, physical parts of the fight plan, you had to do two things. One, you have to understand range because he's long. He's a southpaw like, but he's long. Hey, yep. listen, 
There's a reason why he was beating, and, and you guys out there that don't listen very closely, he was beating Mayweather for four rounds. I sat ringside. A, I was there covering for ESPN for sports. Yes, you might not like to hear it, but for four rounds, he was winning that fight because he was controlling range. He has long arms, and he knows how to fight tall. Not everybody, the guy you just fought, Hooker, God bless him. He's a tough son of a gun like all of you are. He's an animal in a good way. All of those things. But he doesn't know how to fight tall. He, he allows you to get it. Connor knows how to use those long arms and fight tall. So and, for me, and, it, no, go ahead, Dustin. I'm sorry. And, and not only does he know how to use the length that he, he has and the attributes and athleticism he has to cover distance, he knows how to use the mental part that we just discussed of even – making himself look longer and bigger in every way he stands. And, and when we go to the middle of the octagon to do the introduction and face off, he, he, his, I can just tell the way his demeanor and the way he's carrying himself, he's, he's puffing up and he's, he's trying to, you know, when he's in front of you and, and he's got his lead hand out, he's just playing a mind game and making himself look bigger than, than he is. Well, that, listen, he's becoming a boogeyman. He's becoming that guy that he wants to personify the, the image that he wants you to have. And I'm going to touch back on that in a second. But to finish about the physical, technical parts of it, number one, you can't stay at the end of his punches, okay? Because, so you had to change range. You did that. You changed range. You didn't stay at the end of his punches. And the other thing that you touched on, you just could not lunge in. You could not get caught reaching because he's a great counterpuncher. You couldn't, you could And one other thing that nobody talked about, you had to use your jab somewhat because sometimes you don't and because you're looking for those power punches and you got them, but you had to use, even if you didn't out jab them, you had to at least get them to respect and acknowledge your jab. Exactly. And the, the plan was to pimp the jab, to use it swift, to use it at up angles to and not be heavy on my front foot because what Connor does very well against other southpaws is he'll, he'll come over the top. When you get heavy on that front foot and fall in love with a, with a power jab, he will counter you. And I've seen him do it over and over again to guys. So me and my boxing coach, Daya Davis, in this training camp, we wanted to stay light on my feet and not fall in love with the jab, you know? Yeah, but, but it show it to him. I, I mean, there were times that I might have yelled if I was around, I might have yelled, snap it! But you, you pushed it. But you knew what you were doing. You knew the range you had. You knew you were safe. And I think that you were just giving him something back so it wasn't all him with the jab, where he wasn't controlling that territory, uh, that, that lane, so to speak, by himself. Is that fair? Very fair. Very fair. Regarding the leg kicks, Dustin, I think it was, was it Jim Miller who you fought who did the same thing to you a while back? Yep. Up in New York at the Barclays Center and tore your leg up, right? So, yeah, for most a lot. We, I mean, we've getting a big, bigger MMA audience lately, but for guys who are just boxing fans, like how bad does that hurt when someone's kicking constantly, kicking you in the back of the calf? I can imagine how much it hurts, but I'm curious from someone who's been on the giving end, receiving end, talk to me about the damage that does and and the meant what it does to your mind. I've uh, I've had 40 something mixed martial arts fights, and I've never felt you know, everything's kind of numbed during the fight. Of course, you, you leave the octagon and, and reality sets in, adrenaline starts wearing off and you feel a lot of pain in, in all over your body after some of these fights. But I've never felt more pain during the act of fighting than when my leg got kicked by Jim Miller over and over again at, that night in New York. 
my calf was in so much pain. I was surprised at how much pain I was feeling <clears throat> even between rounds when I was trying to listen to my corner. Um, they were icing my leg. It was one of the most painful things that I've been through in a fight. And I've had my nose crushed in a fight and fought another 10 minutes and won the fight. I I've had uh, cracked hands. You know, I the list goes on of things that has happened to me in fights and injuries. But the calf kick was one of the most painful things I've ever felt. So I knew, I knew he was feeling it. Oh, yeah, you could see. I mean, you could see the way he was limping afterwards. He couldn't even posture and pretend that he wasn't. He, I mean, it looked like he had a broken leg. But the other thing that I wanted to say quickly is um, credit to Mikey Brown. I mean, from Jorge Masvidal to the game plan that you guys put together for Dustin Poirier and then what George did to um, Ben Askren. I mean, we got to have Mike Brown on here to talk about some of his uh, philosophies because he is doing a hell of a job with a lot of guys down there. Maybe talk about some of the guys you worked with in the preparation for this fight and in the environment down there at, um, at that camp. Yeah, um, you know, it was pretty much the same roster of, of my, my immediate teammates, the stable of fighters at American Top Team. We didn't bring in a whole lot of new people. You know, with COVID and everything going on, the gym has uh, restrictions in place and it's not really open um, to the masses. So we did the best we could and, and it was more than enough. You know, the results paid off, but my coaching staff was the same, you know, uh, Mike Brown, Tiago Alves, Daya Davis, um, Phil Daru, my strength and conditioning coach. We, we had the same core group of guys that I've worked with for the last nine or 10 fights. These guys have been in my corner, but training partners, this camp, we brought in, uh, Leandro, uh, Apollo, He's actually boxing now. He, he was a mixed martial arts fighter, switched to boxing, and uh, he helped out a lot. A big, heavy southpaw, durable guy. Um, the thing is, in training camp sometimes, the, the lighter guys, guys in the, in the lightweight division and stuff, they don't last all training camp. You know, I'm rough on these guys. So the last <laughs> few training, the last few training camps, we've, we've had to get guys in higher weight classes um, to withstand the duration of, you know, the weeks of, of, of training. I'm not, I'm not trying to make myself look like a, a badass here, but I'm just, we, we've, we have to bring in the heavy hitters now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dustin, don't worry about that. You are a badass. <laughs> and, and, and all your comrades are, all the people in that, in that industry, in the UFC, in MMA, that uh, do what you do and do it at the level that you do it. You are badasses uh, proudly and you're, you, it should be acknowledged. Uh, for what you are, uh, you you guys are truly samurai. You are truly warriors, uh, titans uh, to every level, to every degree. You have a code. You have a code of conduct in that ring, and you guys adhere to that code. And it's something to acknowledge. It's something to admire, and um, it's something to respect. And you should be respected for it. So I, I just want to say that. And, Thanks, um, man. To forge yourself, because it it takes you know you get a piece of steel that can be a sword. That steel had to go through a lot to become that steel. It had to be forged in a certain kind of molten lead, and and heat to become that that sword that can stand up in combat. You guys have all been forged to stand up in that kind of heat and combat that you all do. And that is really something to, uh, to admire. Teddy, we're firemen. We're firemen. There it is. There it is. We are firemen. 
We are not intimidated by those flames. We move those flames. We understand those flames. And we extinguish those flames. Yes, sir. Yeah, you you guys are firemen, and proudly so. I want to I want to touch on back to, I guess my forte, but to me again, it's seventy five percent of my business. It's I think it's eighty eighty five percent of yours, but you know better. But I want to something that you said a moment a few moments ago when you said that part of Connor's you know persona part of what he works at it's not accidental and he earned it is to look bigger than life to look larger to to be the boogeyman to be this guy to get in here and if he can get in here well he's already won the fight and i that's where for me you were different the the first time six seven years ago i don't know exactly what the calendar was but for me you were not who you are now um, you, I mean, you, you, you weren't as mature. You didn't have to experience the seasoning, all those things. And for me, you were more susceptible to that boogeyman than you would be now, because now you had been forged in the fire. Now you knew, forget about the technical stuff you learned. Or you might not even learned anymore. You might've had the same amount of knowledge then as you do now, but the way you use it under the the way you use it under the gun, the way you use it in the environment that you had to use it, you you now were a person that didn't get overcome by all the noise, that got rid of a lot of furniture in the room that you didn't need, and a lot of furniture that got in the way of doing what you did a couple of weeks ago, that got in the way of doing that the first time, where you were just more involved in things you couldn't be involved in, more taken by things you can't be taken by from a mental standpoint. And for me, that's why I was telling people on our podcast, it's going to be a different result. This is a different person. Uh, not that you're going to see any that much different technically, maybe, but it's a different person. He's going to be in control of things that he wasn't in control of the first time, starting with himself quite frankly. Most importantly, yeah. Starting with himself, most importantly. Can you take us down that road? And I think it's a very important thing for people to understand in life, as well as in the combat world, um, that sometimes things are controlling you that shouldn't be controlling you. And you can never be successful at the level that you want to be until you, you are in control of all those things including yourself or starting with yourself. Right. Yeah. This, this one, you're right about that. This one, the whole lead up, the press conferences, everything. I remember before and during those moments, I just felt like <clears throat> his aura just was, was taking over the room everywhere we went. And, and when we got into the octagon that night, six, seven years ago, I felt that aura. It didn't seem like I was fighting another man. I was fighting a, a myth, a legend. It was, it was crazy. I felt like uh, I was in there to slay a dragon. You know, I felt like I was facing Goliath and I felt like I had a slingshot. This time I felt like I was facing another man. The aura wasn't there. And I don't think that's anything to do with Connor. I think that's to do with me to, to realizing that these guys bleed just like me and having confidence in my abilities and just years of 
making things happen and understanding that I, I am one of the best in the world. That that aura that he carries just bounced off of me. I, I didn't let that enter my, my soul. I, I didn't let it enter my mind. I, I felt like it was just another opponent, maybe the biggest, most famous opponent, but it was just another guy. In other words, this time it was a fight. It was a fight. The first time it wasn't. You you just you what it was you were deterred. It was a battle of all the other things. But this time it was only about the fight. And you could actually go and just fight. In other words, you were free. Right. You were free of things that without being free of them, you just cannot do things at that level. And in the other one, I was thinking about after the fight, what happens if I lose to this guy? What if this guy does the things he says he's going to do? He's going to knock me out in 60 seconds or whatever he's saying he's going to do. This one, I didn't think about anything past the fight. All I was thinking about was 25 minutes and whatever I had to do to, to be my best and make the right decisions and be in the moment, those 25 minutes. There was no tomorrow. On fight night, there was no tomorrow. It was only the next steps ahead of me, me walking to the cage, me getting in there and fighting, the next bell sounding. That was there was no tomorrow. And I think I don't know what mindset or when I made the switch. But if I can keep that going every fight from here on out. You know, it's going to be amazing. But that is maturity. That is growing. That is finding yourself. That is getting there. You're there. Right. But it but it took getting there. It, it took all the things that you had to go through. I wrote down as one of my questions, just to verify, I, this is what I wrote. But also, I just felt that in the first fight, because of the things that I had mentioned before, lack of experience, maturity, you were controlled and you were bogged down by things you cannot be controlled by to be a top professional in anything in life. And this time you were free, free of everything and free to just fight, a fight with a man. Not a world, not a universe, just a man. And I think that that's a lesson for all of us. That sometimes we're taking on too much here. Yeah. When it's it's not that. We make it that. Right. We do. We do. Even, even you know, leading up to this fight, being in quarantine, stuck in that hotel, for two weeks before actually doing, you know, getting in there and fighting, it was good to get that first couple seconds, couple minutes off the clock. And then in my own mind, just kind of sit there and say, this is exactly what it is. It's a fight. You know, whenever you're sitting in the hotel, spinning your wheels, thinking about it, it seems like such a big task. And it is, you're fighting one of the best guys in the world. Um, but when you get going, it's just another fight. And you're like, this is what I do every day. And that's what I love so much about fighting is the fight. You mentioned before that, I think it was to uh, DC, that um, you weren't enjoying the, the, the process anymore. You, you enjoyed the fight, but you weren't enjoying the process. Talk a little bit about that, because to me, the fight is won before you get into the fight. It's won in the process. So obviously you've done everything right, but how hard was it this time, given that you didn't love the process? Yeah, I just didn't enjoy thinking about the fight for two weeks, sitting in a hotel room um, with nowhere to go. Uh, 
all the media, all the repetitive questions, um, everybody asking me about Connor, everybody, you know, just all, all these things. It just was a turnoff to me. The only thing I, I, I told DC, I said, you know, I don't love this process. And just the, the way the media and the fan base and, and the way people get popularity, not only in, in mixed martial arts, but just nowadays, social media stars and, and counting followers and all this stuff is just such a turnoff to me. I just want to get back to the days where we talked about guys because they're warriors or guys because of what they did. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to explain it to you to where you, you get what I'm, where my mindset is with this whole thing. But the only thing I, I still love about combat sports is the fight. That's the only thing I love about this. Would you say the process was more the fight uh, build up, the, the fight week, the hype stuff, or was it everything including training camp? Like, in other words, did you did you hate being in training camp? Because that's different than fight no. week and media responsibilities. No, I, I enjoyed the camaraderie with my teammates. I enjoy pushing myself, getting better, getting in shape, uh, working on new things. I'm still I still love all that. I love being a student. I got you. I don't I don't know if that'll ever change. I love being a student. I love asking questions and figuring things out. I, I, I like exploring that. Um, I feel like I become better, not only as a fighter, but as a person just going through these training camps, learning new things, testing myself mentally and physically. I, I enjoy that. I guess I don't have to ask you the question. Uh, what do you think about uh, the Paul Mayweather? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me cross that one out. Let me cross that one right out. Because <laughs> I think we got the answer to that one. And uh, Ken, yeah. you go on with the next question, please. I was going to say, you must have also been studying some uh, marketing strategies because when you ever brought that hot sauce up onto the, um, <laughs> the face-off, it was brilliant. I mean, for a minute, I was like, damn, they look like they're going to throw punches at each other. And then you pulled out a bottle of hot sauce and he's like giving you hugs like, oh, thanks, man. I'm going to get you some whiskey. It was brilliant. I mean, if, if people didn't know you had a hot sauce before that, everyone in the world knows it now. Yeah. I mean, some big articles came out about that. That was kind of uh, it happened because of the press conference. I had a few bottles with me out there in Abu Dhabi at the press conference. He he brought it up and asked and said he wanted to try the sauce. So, I mean, the next day we had weigh-ins. I figured I'd bring him a bottle. I knew the eyes would be on us. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, we're sold out. <laughs> Love it. Congratulations. Yeah, on top of that, since, you, since we're talking about that, um, Dustin, it was just nice to see a fight in a promotion without all the trash talk. Uh, just two top fighters, respectful of each other's abilities and what they go through and what they are as, as men. It was nice. Yeah, it, it was refreshing. Um, I like that, man. I like it. And, and I'm not against guys bump, you know, bumping their gums and shoving each other if they really have a real reason. But to fabricate you know, a, a rivalry just because of entertainment purposes, I'm not really with all that stuff. If, if two guys really have a reason and a history and they really don't like each other, I understand. You know, This is fighting. But if nothing's if nothing's there, if no hard feelings are really there, I would never fake it. It was also nice to see you both promoting your external businesses because boxing and, and fighting mixed martial, art, mixed martial arts doesn't last forever. Same thing for any sport, yeah. any athlete. I mean, with the exception of, 
a small handful of guys, which you've now put yourself into, most guys are going to have to work when they're done fighting or playing whatever their particular sport is, including NFL, any major league sport. It, it, but to see, you know, you, you've obviously crossed the line now where you're on the level with guys like Connor in terms of making, in terms of being compensated. But it's important that guys have outside interests outside of their uh, athletic endeavors when they're young because life can be long. And if you don't make a lot of money in those earning years, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when it's time to find a real job, especially if you've spent your whole life just fighting and not preparing for the next stage. So it was nice to see you guys both promoting your interests. Thanks. Yeah, And it feels good to, to incorporate, you know, because fighting is something I do. It's 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 a huge part of my life. It's it's my livelihood. It's I've dedicated the last 14 years of my life to it, to be the best at it that I can be. But uh, bringing in other parts of my life that I enjoy, you know, I love cooking. I, I, I love uh, I love food. So to branch off and have a hot sauce and be able to incorporate it into my my fight life it, it's fun, man. You know, it's it's a new new wrinkle for me to to do things and to, to have fun with. And obviously, like you said, to to make money uh, beyond fighting. So it's all good things. You know, everything I'm just trying to, to, to give you guys all of myself. And, and it's nice that I can incorporate everything into fighting um, so far. Yeah. Well, talk about your foundation since we're talking about, you know, other things that you do and you've been doing uh, outside the octagon uh, with, with your, well, it's a tremendous foundation. It's the good fight. Yes, sir. Tell us about that. And so people out there that don't know about it can know about it. Yeah. The good fight foundation, me and my wife started um, a little bit over three years ago. And we've done some huge things since since we started. Um, I, I auction off all my fight-worn memorabilia. And in, since the ball started rolling with the foundation, other fighters have, have done the same and jumped on board and donated and auctioned off their fight-worn memorabilia to help um, things in their communities and, and wherever they see uh, need. But this particular fight, every time I get a big fight, we like to set big goals. We do small goals in between fights with crowdfunding and, and just raising awareness for things going on in my community in Lafayette, Louisiana. But this particular fight, we knew the, the magnitude of the buildup and uh, we decided to do a huge goal with the Boys and Girls Club of Acadiana where we were gonna set a crowdfunding goal of $107,000 to provide, provide them with tutors and transportation for the year to all six of their locations. I just know how important it is for places like Boys and Girls Clubs um, or anything of that sort where kids can go after school and be around other children and be around positive role models, um, positive adults and, and have a safe place to, to, to play and to be, you know, a lot of these kids leave school and go home, um, single parent homes, their, their parents still at work, they're home alone. They get out and go hang out with friends on the streets and, and, you know, get into trouble. It, it's just a good place for good things to happen. Not that every kid at these places comes from a broken home or, come from a bad place, but it's just a good place um, where, where good things happen. And I, that's something that's close to me and something that I wanted to get behind. And it's beautiful. It's tremendous. Um, anytime you can do more than just help yourself and your own family, uh, it's, it's pretty damn good. What I know Connor was talking about uh, giving a donation towards it. Uh, did, that, did that wind up happening? So uh, his team did reach out during fight week um, to give us a big donation. Uh, we haven't 
done all everything yet officially it hasn't gone through but i believe they're good for it and i believe it will i'm sure they are yeah and we have big plans for that we we have a, a plans to open a gym um for the youth here in louisiana where you know good grades or improvement in grades would be the tuition for the kids to train there after school give them something to, to put their energy into you know fighting's changed my life so i know i can be a testament to to kids and to the youth about putting your energy and trying to be great at something and, and really focusing and, and just clean my life up. So I know it can, if, if it did it for me, it can do it for hundreds, thousands, millions of others. So I just want to spread that word. Uh, that's great. And that's great of Connor uh, yeah. to do that, to reach out on his own and to do that, you know, right. for a lot of people out there that they see the other stuff, you know, the antics and all the other stuff that sometimes they might uh, not like so much they should see this part too. That's that's why I wanted to bring yeah. it up. They they should understand that. We're all fighting for something, man. And I'm gonna get in there and and fight for me and my family with all of myself, regardless. So everything else I can stack up on my back and spread spread the word or be a voice for those whose voice isn't heard. It's just extra, you know. Stack it up. Let's go. What did your wife say? She's she's been your biggest supporter from the beginning. I mean, for people that don't know that. Uh, I just like to know purely, just purely, like what were some first words out of her mouth? Because she's been on a tough journey with you to get to this place. And it has been tough, uh, which everybody's journey can be tough to get to that place. A lot of people don't see it. They just see when you get there. But um, but she saw it. She she traveled it with you. What, yeah. what, what was her, what did she say? She told me, I told you so, just like she told me the night I, I won the belt when I beat Max Holloway in uh, Atlanta a few years back. She said, I told you so. And she was right. She did. She told me so. I think a lot of people have enjoyed that part of your journey is that you're such a um, family guy and you're so close with your wife and it's so obvious how much you guys love each other and obviously with your daughter. I think that's I think that's part of what makes the story uh, your story so enjoyable for most fans at home. It's like they can relate to you because outside of all the uh, outside of beating people up for a living, you're just a regular guy who's trying to be a good person and do the right thing and it comes across and I think that's why your fan base is so big. Thanks, man. It means a lot. I, I, I uh, like I said, I, I, I include fighting is is it's given me everything I have. So I, I'm pretty transparent with 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 it all. You know, what you see is what you get. You know, Dustin, we we talked before about you in the ring with a guy in the octagon. I, everything for me is in the ring, um, but it's the same thing. You in there with a guy that. Not too many people can say, I fought a guy who might have been the greatest striker in the business and the greatest counterpuncher, or one of the two. And he was, and he is. You're pretty great at one thing that I just wanted to point out. You're a hell of a finisher. I would call you a great finisher. Really, a lot of people, I don't think, I think now they're going to maybe talk about it. But when they talk about Dustin Poirier, just the same way as when they talk about Conor McGregor, oh, great striker, yes. Great counterpoint, yes. They should say, Poirier, great finisher. Because, man, you are. You hurt a guy, you know how to get them the hell out of there. Thanks, yeah. And sometimes I get myself in trouble doing so. Um, <laughs> my coaches, like Mike Brown, tells me, you know, 
he's always worried about that crazy man coming out. When I see a guy hurt, the crazy man comes out. Technique goes out the window, and it's just uh, all I see is blood. You know, I just I'm, I'm that's it. I would argue. I would argue with you on this one. I would argue with you. You you want to you were a smart crazy man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You was as the years have as as the years have progressed, the the method to the madness has got a little bit cleaner in the finishing moments. But but yeah, still still dangerous. I say to my fighters when we have a big, you know, you get to a big fight, say you're going to be a monster. And a lot of people say Teddy Atlas. What you? I, I thought it would be more about this, about the you know distance, control, the feints, coming to knock on the front door, coming to the side door. And I say, yeah, it, we did that already. But now you're going to take it all and you're going to be a monster, but a smart monster, <laughs> a smart monster. And, yeah. and, and you were a monster, but you were a smart monster when you heard him. I mean, even when he covered up, you were hitting him behind the ears. I mean, like you were directing the punches exactly where you knew there was a calm in that storm. It wasn't all winds and turbulence. There was a calm in that storm. And I recognize, I just want to tell you that. Thanks, man. Coming from you means a lot. No doubt about it. Boy, it, it, it really was. I, I said on the podcast, I said the greatest finishes in the history of boxing for me are Jack Dempsey, uh, um, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis, oh, my God, he hurt you. It was over. And Mike Tyson. He was a great, great finisher. And I said, Dustin Poirier, for me, in that, in that particular sport, He's one of the great finishers. Thank just you. Just like those guys. Just just like those guys. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about the X's and O's, where for me it was understand distance, don't get caught. Do's and don'ts. Don't don't get caught at the end of his punches, change distance or do something. Uh let your jab show him a jab. Uh, give him something where he's just not in control completely because once he's controlling you with the jab, he's controlling range, he's setting up counters. You know, he, he's he's putting you where he wants to. So at least show him a jab. But the other thing was don't lunge. Make sure you don't lunge. Don't get, you know, walk into a counter punch. But I had made a note to myself. I said, counter punch the counter puncher. And I'll be damned because I just thought that there'd be an opportunity that if you were disciplined enough, that you get him to bite. That that even with your jab, it would make it where he couldn't completely. Now he had to bite, and he he might come a little closer than he necessarily would normally. And when he come a little closer, you have to you have to pull the trap. You have to pull the trigger on a trap, and you have to counter punch the counter puncher. My God, I mean that that was the beginning of the end. With that left hand. Uh, that was the beginning of the end. He got a little too close and bang! You counter punch the counter puncher. That doesn't happen to a great counter puncher too often. Can you walk us through that? I, I, I felt like in the fight, I started uh, finding my timing for my right hook. I felt like he was falling in love with, with his power and being a little bit heavy and off balance. And every time I threw my, my check hook or when I threw my lead hand, he was there to be hit. And you're right. I, I don't know if it was the confidence building up, but the, the range was a little bit closer than I thought he was going to fight me in, you know? Um, yeah. So, so that right hook was there often. And, and then I think the leg kicks started taking away some of his timing 
And when I hit him with that that um, right hand that finally hurt him, it was a, he threw a punch, I think an uppercut that barely missed me. And he was out of position. And I just counterpunched him right there uh, in the moment. Didn't really think about it. It was one of those things where you just it happens. And uh, from from rep, repetition, I guess, years and years of doing it and, and training, um, the opportunity was there. And I capitalized on it, man, hit him with a good shot. And that was the beginning of the end for him uh, when he threw that off balance punch. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, you knew what to do then. <laughs> you, you, you that's what I do best. Recover. Yeah, <laughs> that is that that certainly is. I got one question for you that a bunch of people have asked me. <clears throat> Serious question now. When you had him hurt, how um, how strongly were you considering jumping a guillotine on him? Tell the truth. I, when I first took him, <laughs> I, I didn't think about it then. I was in kill mode. When I first took him down in the first round and he kind of scooted his back up to the fence and started getting up, dude, I thought it was time. I, 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 I could see it and feel it in my mind that I was going to guillotine this guy. You know, I'm just teasing you, right? I was yeah, thinking you yeah. got this guy. I'm hurt, not joking. Punching the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you know, Dustin, talking about feeling how you were feeling, you just I'm, I'm again, I'm going to run off of that. Uh, I know sometimes especially in big moments, great fighters in big moments. And this is going to sound a little mysterious or a little mystical to some people uh, that don't quite understand, obviously, this what goes into this environment. But sometimes you have a vision. It could be, a, a, it could be the night before. It could be the morning of. It could be the week of. But you just kind of like have, it's all part, put it whatever way you want to put it, part of the confidence, part of the mind being right, everything, you know, coming into play, the perfect storm coming together for you at the moment, nature taking care of things, to have you prepared, whatever you want to call it. But I know that sometimes these fighters in these great moments, they, they, they actually visualize what's going to happen. They have a feeling, a vision of that. Did, did anything like that? Didn't uh, who was it? Robinson had a dream that he 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 killed his opponent. Was it? Yeah, what Sugar Ray Robinson, maybe the greatest fighter of boxer of all time. Right. He didn't. He didn't want to go out there and fight that night because he had a dream that he he killed the guy, and I and I believe it ended up happening. Yeah, it did. It right. did. Right. I don't. When I visualize, not something negative necessarily, but just. How you're gonna? What's how the fight's gonna unfold? Like right? No, I, and I didn't try to turn. I didn't try to turn that into the into a negative. I just thought about that yeah. immediately when you said uh, yeah. visualizing. Well, I know you did. Right. Uh, when I when I lay down at night in training camp and even fight week, and visualize, I, I I never get into detailed moments where I think like I'm gonna knock him out with the right hook or I'm gonna get him with this submission. I just visualize me in the moment, like breathing in that air with the lights on me and getting my hand raised. That, that's pretty much what I try to keep it, you know, just victory. I try to visualize vi victory and, and being in the moment because I know when I'm in the moment uh, under those lights, feeling that, that way that I perform my best. And, and win, lose, or draw, whatever's going to happen, as long as I perform my best, I can, I can leave, go to the locker room and look myself in the mirror and, and, and not be upset. Do you ever have a moment where, even if you're pushing away, and I know I have moments my fighters have where you sometimes you're afraid of it, you push it away, you don't want to lock yourself into that. You're, you're superstitious, whatever. Like you said, you might not want to be 
thinking about just one thing because it's you don't want to get locked into looking for one shot. So you want to be doing all the things that you're trained to do. But do you ever have a moment where something just comes to you, a flash, just something where you feel, hey, that 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 feels good. Uh, that or that th- th- there's a good feeling here. There's a good say. I tell I'll, I'll get right to one of the things I was just thinking off offhand. When you came in last in, in my business in boxing, and I think it's the same in MMA UFC, the champion always comes in last uh, into the ring. Right. And that night, neither one of you guys, you know, had had officially a title. But and I don't know if you Sometimes you flip a coin, you figure out who's going who's gonna to be introduced first, who's going to come in first. But as it, whatever it was, and I don't know, but as it turns out, you came in like the champion. You came in last. I thought to myself, that's an omen. <laughs> and I know, listen, I, I get it, that it's about what you do. Nobody gets it better than I, I get that. But I just felt, hey, that might be a little bit of an omen here. He's going in there, you know. That's all. It does feel good to to walk out to walk out last. It does. It does feel good. In the UFC, the the process is uh, whoever's ranked higher is red corner. So, home team is kind of like red corner. Uh, that that's what it's always been in the UFC. How about red corner or whatever corner? But who goes in the ring first? Is that connected to that? Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, Rankings okay. wise. Uh, Okay. Higher rank guy always walks second. Well, you uh, when you walked in second, like I said, in my business, that means uh, that's the champion. And it was just like, hey, hey. And I heard some people saying that, like, in interviews that week, saying, like, um, I'm going to be the last man making the walk on Fight Island. Over the three-card stretch, there's three events. I'm, I'm going to be the last man walking. Uh, you know, so I, I did think about that a few times. How was that Fight Island experience? It looked awesome. I mean, the hotel and the, and the, the Instagram stories you were putting up, it looked pretty incredible. The UFC does it up pretty first class over there. How, how was it? Yeah. I mean, it's as nice as it can be. The, uh, the staff, the hospitality, the amenities are incredible, man. Incredible. These guys, uh, I, I usually like to cut the water weight in a dry sauna. These guys built a dry sauna, took all the furniture out of the, the hotel room next to me, built a wooden dry sauna in there with rocks and, and, and for me to use. It, it was amazing, man. They did, they did whatever we needed. Wow. It's good to be the king. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like something you, know, you get over in Russia, you know, <laughs> where, yeah. where uh, it's part of the culture. Or, or Ken's house. Ken has stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Big time Ken. Wet, wet and dry. Yeah. <laughs> you might not know that, Dustin, because he's, you know, he's very modest, but he, he's... He's got saunas. Yeah, he's got saunas. He's, he's, got, he's got heat. He's got heat. My man. <laughs> My man. My man. We're going to get Central Air next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come visit, yeah. man. I want to come visit. I want to take you up on that visit. Let's go. I'm closer now. I'm in, Na- I'm in Nashville. We'll go get some road work in. Just got here yesterday. Awesome, man. Yeah, we can get some runs in. I can't, I can't hit go. the pavement like you, but I can, I can put some miles in. <laughs> well, I, I can't hit people like you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep it close, though, Dustin, because otherwise it'll be all over his social media that, that you just, you know, he outraced you by 10 miles. Never. Yeah, yeah. I never. 
I always tell people there's a lot of other things I'd rather be good at than running. And not that I think I'm that good at it, but I'd much rather oh, be good, good at, at it. You're fighting, good at it. Relatively speaking. Well, I tell you, Dustin, again, thank you for, you know, being with us, being on the show. Thank you for who you are. Stay who you are. I know you will. Um, and continue to continue to be a lesson uh, to teach, to teach people to stay with their dreams, don't give up, and behave the right way outside wherever your vocation is. Behave the Thanks. right way in life, and Thank you, um, good things will come. Thank uh, you. I, I, I appreciate that. It's important to me to continue to do that. And I've heard you say the word uh, to be a beacon, and, and that hit home for me. Oh, thank you. I'm glad it did. And you are a beacon and continue being that beacon. Not everybody can be a beacon. You know, we, you get called to it, you get called to it. And, um, and you gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go through the forging of life. Uh, but you went through it. And when you go through that, you have an opportunity sometimes to be that, that beacon of light and, um, continue being it. People need it. Especially today. I, I promise you I will. I appreciate that. Appreciate Dustin, that. before before we let you go, I wanna I've got some questions from the fans that we asked to submit some questions, but before we get to we can do them rapid fire, we'll only take a second. But before we do that, I just I and I know that every media outlet has asked you what's next, but I couldn't help but think in the uh, ring afterwards when you said, you know, I'm not gonna fight Chandler next. And I get it, you know, he's had one fight in the UFC. But um, I mean, let if me interrupt. Did... Let me interrupt one second. I have to. The only fight, and this isn't Dustin talking. This is just me. The only fight that makes sense is a rematch with with Conor McGregor. Not for only the belt. business wise, yeah, for the belt. Not only business wise, but that's what people want to see. That that's the fight. It it's a trilogy. It's a trilogy. They want we to always, see Trump. Yeah. Go ahead. Am I right, Dustin? I mean, that I mean, for me at least. The kind of guy I am, I think we owe it to each other. He he gave me a, my chance. I I said I even the score. We're one and one. There has to be a rubber match. I agree. Well, I hope you get I agree. it. I think you do good business. And, and the way you, yeah, well, it, it, from a business standpoint, and, and I think from a fan standpoint, there's plenty of people out there that love Poirier, that love Dustin, uh, Dustin Poirier, but there's plenty of people that love Conor McGregor, and they, they still believe in him, just like yeah. people believe in Dustin Poirier uh, before this fight. So those people want to have a chance for redemption. Redemption is a big part of our society, of our life to have a chance for redemption. And um, nobody knows it better than a man who's on with us right now. And for that reason alone, I think it's important to allow that possible, that chance for redemption. And I'm with you. And if, if that's the, the direction UFC wants to go, I know that's the direction Connor wants to go, then I, I, I'm in. Well, good for you. I hope you get it. Yeah. Hey guys, just a quick pause to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, Amp Human. 
Again, these guys are doing some incredible stuff on the human performance front. They're the makers of PR lotion, which has been used by some of the world's top endurance athletes, including two-hour, uh, sub-two-hour marathon runner Elliot Kipchoge and Tour of France winner Garrett Thomas. Check them out at amphuman.com. Use the promo code ATLAS for 15% off your first purchase of D-plus lotion today. Again, amphuman.com slash ATLAS. Hey, how's your sauce doing real quick? How, how is, uh, how's the hot sauce doing? We, uh, we actually sold out the week of the fight. Wow. We, wow. They went into production, um, cooking up a bunch more batches, and we'll be restocked on Thursday. We will be restocked on Thursday. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Good man. Where can, uh, where can people find your uh, hot sauce? They can get it at uh, heatness.com, or they can go to my website. I have a link there at diamondpourier.com. I have links and all the info to the foundation, uh, my hot sauce, everything there. Got it. Let me hit you with these questions real quick from uh, social media. Rapid fire. Let's go. Um, tell us about your, your guard and how you've adapted the Philly shell to suit MMA. This isn't the Philly shell anymore. This is the crawf- This is Louisiana crawfish shell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Let's see that. <laughs> Some people would call that the turtle defense. R.G. Moore, George Foreman, you know, they, they, they use that. R.G. Moore, the, the, the old mongoose, fought in the 30s <laughs> and the 40s. He had 300 fights. He had over 140 knockouts. Light heavyweight champion of the world. Great fighter. That was R.G. Moore, baby. <laughs> Real quick, who's a better boxer, Conor McGregor or Max Holloway? Conor's definitely the better puncher. It seems like Max puts things together and is in position um, to throw combinations better. I think Max Holloway. Interesting. It's, it's, it, that's interesting because I thought that coming into this fight, honestly, that Connor, with the having had the Floyd, Floyd Mayweather experience and having been in camp, like a pure boxing camp, there was talk about him fighting Manny. I expected him to come out and look really much better on the, with the boxing skills. And then you started kicking the leg, and maybe that changed his. It had, changed I, his think it, I think it had a little bit to do with that guy. <laughs> For sure, what he, 100%. What he, what he was doing. You know, otherwise he would have looked like that great boxer. And he looked pretty good in spots early on. And and to, to Dustin's point, picking Holloway, I, I think in his mind, same as mine, he's seen a, that the guy's got more of the complete package. Yeah. That the, the whole, the consistency of all the elements it takes to be a great boxer. Right. That's what I see anyway. Yeah. And that's what I would say was the difference in that fight with Connor is there was a there was a boxer in there with an MMA fighter and you would just you put everything together and yeah he's can punch and he's got good counter punching like Teddy has said but you look like the complete package in that fight uh, last week I mean you just took him apart in every area you took him down you kicked his legs you you hit him with bombs I mean you knocked him out it was it was awesome that, and that was the game plan to 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 use everything to not be a boxer or to not be a wrestler it was to go in there and to kick when I saw kicks open, to, to wrestle when I saw wrestling, to punch when it was when it was openings, to, to use the full arsenal of mixed martial arts. Mission accomplished. Last question. What would you advise boxers who have taken a loss? It seems like boxing has a different ad- attitude on losses than MMA. In MMA, there's a lot more ways to lose. Um, but boxing, you know, I think it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe Teddy can answer that question, but you, you lose, you, 
two fights, you're a journeyman in boxing. It's crazy to me, man. I, I, uh, you know, way, way back in the day in boxing, you weren't ready to fight for a, a world championship until you had a couple losses, until you knew who you were, you know? It's crazy that the way boxing has uh, protected some some of these fighters and, and built this thing to where you have to be superstar 50 and 0 or 30 and 0 to be considered, you know, I, I respect the guys who've had the, the tough road, who've picked themselves back up and dusted themselves off and got back to their winning ways. I think that's harder um, physically and mentally over the duration of a career than to, than to go. Of course, it's amazing to go undefeated, but there's a lot of things you never really find out about yourself. 100%. Much like our friend uh, Mickey Ward. Exactly. Have his jacket right here on this chair across from me. I've been wearing <laughs> it all week. I know you guys have become friendly. Yeah, a warrior. Oh, yeah. And he had his, uh, I mean, nobody, I mean, as much as we talk about earning your way and uh, going through that fire, boy, he's a great example, too, of that. He earned his way. He went through right. that fire. My goodness. And he had a special signature punch, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he and he had the delivery system, Dustin. He touch you here, pop, and then he go down there. Just get your arm. All you needed was this. That's all. Just right. just that. Pop, pop, and he had you. And uh, beautiful. Yeah, it really was. It, it, it really a lot of people miss out on that because they just see the warrior, the guy, the blood and guts. They they, they didn't see that he had developed that uh that signature punch to a to a high level. And, right. and and your answer was is right about the difference with boxing and your business. The difference is in the sport; it's the structure and administrators of and the networks what they've done to the sport. That's the difference. They've gotten it to what you said. Where in boxing, it's a death sentence if you get a loss. They yeah. want to have that glossy record. Now, the truth is, you they're hurting the fighters. Because you know how many fighters, for everyone that you see with that great record, there's another one who had an undefeated record and he didn't get the fight, the tough fight he needed before he got to the next point and you never saw him again. He went into oblivion. He lost and he went down that hill and, and he disappeared because he didn't get the fight to develop him that he needed to find out about himself as a fighter, to answer those questions as a fighter. He didn't get, you guys get those fights. You guys get those questions answered. It's not about you know, just wins and losses. It's about who you are. It's about who you became. Exactly. And and it sucks because as a, on the entertainment side of it, by boxing, doing that, there's 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 beauty in the struggle. They're, they're losing opportunities yes. to show these guys growth and to show these guys overcome things and, and get back to a position of uh, being victorious or a position of being in a title fight or whatever, whatever it may be. But there's beauty in that, 100%. man, picking yourself up. You have to lose to win sometimes. And, and who can speak on that better than what you went through? I mean, part of your victory was your defeat. Exactly. That was part of your victory on that night. Yes, sir. What you went through, what you learned about yourself after that defeat. Exactly. And what you were, and what you were willing to learn and see. Standing across from Connor last Saturday night, I knew who I was because I had been introduced to myself over and over again in failures in the past. And that's what made me prepared for that night. So 100%. There it is. 
Well, Dustin, that's everything we have for you until your next victory, and we'll ask to talk to you again. You're becoming a regular here. We might make you the third member of our on-air team. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the uh, help with the MMA breakdowns. Yes. Oh, that would be great. Special guest analysis. It's always a pleasure, man. It's our pleasure. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dustin. We'll be in touch. My pleasure, man. Thank you, Take guys. Care. Have a great day. All right.